Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good afternoon, everyone. This is uh, Kennard speaking. Actually, not good afternoon, because <laughs> I have changed the time, haven't I, to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. This is good morning to those in America, North America, and around the world. This is uh, Kennard Brown speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. Uh, today, I'm going to talk about what is eternal life. Uh, eternal life is a subject that some people don't understand, but as it is with other issues of life, uh, they are explained in the Bible, the very important issues of life. And so that's the title of this Bible study, What is Eternal Life? I will get to that. But first, as I always do on this program, or most of the time, I cover uh, world events. There are a, a couple of things here, or a few things anyway, that we need to discuss that, that is significant and that I will talk about. The first thing that I will talk about, I'm sure that you heard of it, heard of it rather, that the Defense of Marriage Act, part of it anyway, has been struck down. And this is uh, serious, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that's why I, I must um, talk about it, and uh, I will. Uh, CNN has quite a bit of coverage about this. I'm going to read a little bit of their article here. It says, this is by Greg Botelho in CNN. Greg Botelho, B-O-T-E-L-H-O. This was written June 27, 2013. The headline to the article, After Historic Court Rulings, What's Next for Gay Rights Movement? For some people, Wednesday was a day to celebrate. Thursday, they get back to work. Advocates of lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender rights say they're gained fresh energy and hope after twin Supreme Court rulings advance efforts to legalize same-sex marriage. Anyway, let me repeat that again. Advocates of lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender rights say they've gained fresh energy and hope after twin Supreme Court rulings advance efforts to legalize same-sex marriage. They want to ride that momentum for as far as possible, making inroads on issues ranging from workplace discrimination protections, immigration reform, to bully-free schools. I quote, this is absolutely historic, it's monumental, said Jody Huckabee, Executive Director of Parents, Families, and Friends of Lesbians and Gays, or PFLAG. I quote again, it may, well, it may very well be that tipping point, end of quote. For people such as Huckabee, who heads a group of more than 360 chapters nationwide, what happened Wednesday was thrilling but not totally surprising. And it has here, Supreme Court strikes down DOMA. Yes, most states still bar same-sex marriage, many thanks to the patches of popular referendums. Yes, the federal government and most states don't protect gay, lesbian, or transgendered workers. But public opinion is moving in the direction of LGBT rights. In the 1970s, polls showed most Americans believed homosexual relationships between consenting adults were morally wrong. 
a belief that persisted into the first few years of the 21st century, according to CNN polling director Keating Holland. In contrast, the most recent CNN ORC international survey shows 55% of Americans back same-sex marriage, up 11% points, or up, up 11 percentage points from 2008. So, voters in three states approved measures legalizing such unions in November 2012. Numerous corporations have adopted policies barring discrimination based on one's sexual orientation, contrary to the laws in most states, where a person could still be fired if they are found out to be gay. Two of America's most watched TV shows, Modern Family and Glee, feature openly gay characters. Wilson Cruz has been a pioneer of sorts in the 1990s when he played a gay teen on ABC's My So-Called Life. California Proposition 8 appeal dismissed, meaning, of course, that um, it started Friday, that uh, gay couples now can get married in California. The Supreme Court decision striking down part of the Federal Defense of Marriage Act and clearing the way for same-sex marriages in California could accelerate the movement even more, according to Cruz. I quote, I really do believe that this is the domino that is going to tip over the rest of the dominoes. End of quote, he said. Beginning of quote again, do not get in the way of this train because it will run you over. End of quote. And the headline here, or subheadline, subheading, same-sex marriage still illegal in most states. Teddy Withington, Witherington can now make wedding plans. He and his partner live in San Francisco, where same-sex marriage will once again be legal. Witherington, who is British, has lived in the United States legally for the past 16 years, first as the head of San Francisco LGBT Pride Parade and Celebration, and now as chief marketing officer for the Out and Equal Workforce Advocates. What occurred Wednesday gave him pride to live in his adopted home. So anyway, uh, I was just reading this, and this is, in some people's opinion, that this is the domino that's going to lead to all the other 35 states allowing same-sex marriage, unfortunately. Although I hope that it doesn't happen, but uh, the way it looks, it uh, looks like um, uh, it's, going to happen eventually although there is always hope that it doesn't so anyway uh, we are progressing toward uh, accepting gay marriage in all of the states California now is legally um, accepting uh, and allowing gay marriages that certainly isn't good news for this country um, I've talked on this program many times of what Yeshua stated about the marriage, um, the institution of marriage. Let's look at Matthew chapter 19 to see what he said. And I'm going to read this in the plain King James Version of the Bible. Matthew chapter 19, verse 1, And it came to pass, when Jesus had finished these things, he departed from Galilee and came into the coast of Judea, the west bank beyond Jordan. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away or separate or divorce his wife for every cause? And that's what they were doing back then. They were just divorcing for any whole reason. For example, if your wife didn't cook uh, your steak well done enough or you know some other silly reason, they, they were just putting their... They were just divorcing their wives for any old kind of reason, and that's and that's wrong scripturally. Matthew 19, verse 4, And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them or created them at the beginning, this is in Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 1, at the beginning made them male and female. So right there Yeshua is telling you that he didn't create human beings uh, to be two of the same sexes in the procreate. So it says right here, Have you not read that he which, and this is in red letters in the King James Version, have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? In verse 5 of Matthew chapter 19, and said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother. And so children should have a father and a mother, despite what people think, and shall cleave to his wife. All right, it doesn't say here that the father 
shall leave and cleave to his husband. Uh, no, it doesn't say, wait a minute, I'm sorry. It doesn't say that a man should leave his father and mother and cleave to his husband. No, it doesn't say that a woman should leave their father and mo- uh, should leave uh, her father and mother and cleave to her wife. It doesn't say that. It says, for this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife. That's what it says. And they shall be one flesh. So a husband and a wife are one flesh. Now, verse 6, Wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. And that's what man is trying to do. That's what mankind is trying to do right now. They're trying to destroy the institution of marriage. And they're saying that marriage, illegal marriage now, is between two two sexes, despite the fact that they can't naturally procreate. Of course, the way they procreate is, say, for instance, you have two gay men married. One of the sperm is, is put into an ovum of another woman to produce a baby. That's not natural procreation. Two men can't have sex with each other and create a baby. Neither can two women have sex with each other and create a baby. Okay, so it's, it's really... Um, totally against the laws of God, ladies and gentlemen. And he warns us here in Leviticus. Let's go back to Leviticus again. Leviticus chapter 18. Leviticus chapter 18. Verse 22. It says, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. And clearer translations of this verse in the basic Bible, um, yeah, 1965 Bible and basic English version, Leviticus 18, verse 22. You may not have sex relations with men as you do with women. It is a disgusting thing in the contemporary English version of the Bible. It is disgusting for a man to have sex with another man in the complete Jewish Bible version. You are not to go to bed with a man as with a woman. It is an abomination. In the English, uh, in the easy-to-read version of the Bible, men, you must not have sexual relations with another man as with a woman. That is a terrible sin. In the English Standard Version of the Bible, you shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. And I can go on and on and on, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's pretty clear in the Bible that this is an abomination. And then in verse 24, it says, Do not make yourselves unclean. Leviticus 18, verse 24. Do not make yourselves unclean, and that's what it does, by any of these things. I'm reading in the English Standard Version of the Bible. For by all these, the nations I am driving out before you have become unclean. And the land became unclean, so that I punished its iniquity, and the land vomited out its inhabitants. And that's what's Happening as I'm speaking, ladies and gentlemen, the the land is becoming defiled, more defiled than it ever has been because of this homosexual activity. It says, and the land became unclean so that I punished its iniquity, and the land vomited out its inhabitants. And notice that he's going to punish the iniquity. I don't know if you realize it or not, but uh, Death Valley, California, you can check on the Weather Channel if you don't believe what I'm saying here, but it says that it possibly can get up to 130 degrees um, today or yesterday, whatever. But on Friday, when California allowed same-sex marriages again, that's when this heat wave all of a sudden came out of the blue. So there definitely is a connection here. If you don't believe me, read the article that I have on God and hurricanes. God does punish his adults, but the way he punishes adults, he don't. He doesn't put you on his lap and spank you. Uh, he takes away your food. He causes weather disturbances. He causes all kind of other things to occur to get to your attention and let you know he doesn't appreciate certain social activity. Uh, Leviticus 18, verse 26, But you shall keep my statutes and my rules and do none of these abominations, either the native or the stranger who sojourns among you. Verse 27, for the people of the land who were before you did all these abominations so that the land became unclean. Verse 28, 
that not the land vomit you out when you make it unclean as it vomited out the nation that was before you. All right, so this this is what homosexuality and all the other sexual sins and, and listed in Leviticus chapter 18 will do to you or anyone else. That's why it must be repented of. If this nation continues on this path, this nation will be cursed like it never has before in the history of its existence. And so, just like the prophet Ezekiel, I'm not calling myself a prophet, but the example in Ezekiel chapter 3 and Ezekiel 33, I don't want my blood to be upon, uh, your blood to be upon my hands. So I must warn as many people as I can about what is to happen and what is going to occur. I know better. The Lord has taught me the scriptures, and I have a responsibility. And I must tell you, as commanded in Isaiah chapter 58, Isaiah chapter 58, cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. The house of Jacob is the house of Israel, because Jacob's name was changed to Israel. And Israel is not just the Jews, ladies and gentlemen. In Genesis chapter 49, it talks; it lists all the tribes of Israel. The Jews are a part of the tribe of Judah. Of course, historians say correctly that there are ten lost tribes. Uh, it's lost to people who don't know, but it's not lost to me and, the, and those who listen to this program and believe what I say through the scriptures. Uh, the ten lost tribes today, um, the other part of Israel, consists geographically today, geographically today, of the United States, the British Commonwealth of Nations, Canada, the countries in Northwestern Europe, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, and anyone around the world, wherever they're at, who believes that Yeshua Messiah is the Messiah, they automatically become grafted into the Commonwealth of Israel. All right, so that is Israel today, ladies and gentlemen. So for further proof of that, Go to www.bsandboyritam.org, www.bsandboyritam.org, and please look at Yer Davidi's website. He has a lot of proof, biblical and outside of Bible proof. So anyway, Haim and other Torah teachers are to cry aloud, do not hold back, lift up your voice like a trumpet, declare to my people their transgression. To the house of Jacob their sins, in verse 2, yet they seek me daily, and we do, don't we, in this country, and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Yes, we do in our Sunday churches. That's what we do, don't we? And uh, But this is what the problem is in Romans chapter 10. Romans 10, verse 1 says, Brothers, my heart's desire... And prayer to God for them is that they may be saved, may be saved, verse 2. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God. We do have a zeal for God in this country. There's no denying that. But not according to knowledge. Not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God. What is righteousness? Psalm 119, 172 is keeping the commandments. It is the commandments. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God. And seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. And that's what he wants us to do. Americans and any any other person that claims to believe in Yeshua Messiah, we must submit to God's commandments or God's righteousness, not our own. And unfortunately, what's occurring right now has been prophesied to our social environment in this country. And in those other geographical areas. Hosea chapter 4, verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord, O children of Israel, for the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. There is no faithfulness of steadfast love and no knowledge of God in the land. Verse 2. And of course, he's talking about the majority. There is swearing, lying, murder, stealing, and committing adultery. They break all bounds, and bloodshed follows bloodshed. Verse 3. Therefore the land mourns, and all who dwell in it languish, and also the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, and even the fish of the sea are taken away. Verse 4, Yet no one contend, and let, more, and let none accuse. For with you is my contention, O priest, or minister, or Torah teacher. Verse 5, You shall stumble by day, 
The prophet also shall stumble with you by night, and I will destroy your mother. But here, in verse 6, here's the key verse. My people, my people, are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I reject you from being a priest to me. And since you have forgotten the law or the Torah, the instructions of your God, I will also forget your children. That's what he says, ladies and gentlemen. That's what he says. And I'm telling you, if we continue on with this path toward all of this country, this great country that God has blessed through Abraham, if we continue on on this path, this country will be cursed like it never has been because we are violating the way that God creates human beings. He creates human beings through the sex act between a man and a woman, not between two men and two women. And he does not like that. And Leviticus, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 17 tells you the good news, if there's any good news about what's going on, ladies and gentlemen, we know that the Lord is coming back. He's going to be coming back soon. We don't know when. But um, I doubt very seriously that he's going to be coming back in the 22nd century. It looks like he will be coming back in the 21st century, according to the trends and the social activity, the negative social activity that's going on. In, in Luke chapter 17, verse 28, Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building, going about their own business, right? Thinking that everything is okay. No problems. Verse 29. But on the day when Lot went out of Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. Now, why did Lot go out of Sodom? Well, in Genesis chapter 19, it explains because of uh, the men wanting to rape uh, the two angels, and they said they would do <laughs> Lot worse than they would do the angels. So uh, it was homosexual activity that... Uh, was prevalent there, and then that was the last straw with God. But here's a key verse here in Luke 17, verse 30. So will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So he's telling you that one of the characteristics of the end time is rampant homosexual activity around the world. And it's, and it's occurring uh, in an increased stature here in the United States, and it is spreading around the world. The influence, I think France right now is allowing same-sex marriage. It is... Other, uh, I think I was just reading an article about China. They have gay folks uh, in China. So, so it's it's it's, it's just uh, our country influences other countries around the world, and it, this is going to be. It's like I agree with the guy. It appears that this is going to be a domino effect, uh, not just in this country but around the world of accepting um, gay couples like they would accept a regular heterosexual couple in marriage, which is a violation of the scriptures in violation of God's word. And it will not be unrecognized by the mighty God. Trust me on that. <laughs> but don't trust me. Trust the words of God. Okay, so that's unfortunate, ladies and gentlemen. I think I have some more information here that uh, we need to pay attention to in regards to this because this is such a significant event, I believe, in American history. And so this should not, should not be taken very lightly of what's going on here. Watch.org. Um, at watch.org, www.watch.org, says gay marriages resume in California after five-year hiatus. Uh, Same-sex couples rush to be wed. They just rush to be wed. <laughs> in California on Friday after a court abruptly ended the state's five-year ban on the gay marriage in the wake of landmark rulings at the Supreme Court. And as I explained to you, um, another LGBT month record-setting heat wave. Dangerous heat engulfs the West. Um, it says, warnings for extreme heat are posted into the weekend across parts of Arizona, California, and Nevada. Now, you know Nevada is the home of Las Vegas, right? And they're overdue for some, uh, destru some destruction. You know what occurs there. Um, legalized prostitution. Hot dome of high pressure builds over the region. Tem temperatures were soar well into 110s, even 
120s in the days ahead. One location could even approach 130 degrees. 130 degrees, which is extremely hot, ladies and gentlemen. So God is not pleased, ladies and gentlemen. And he, I tell you, he's going to let you know. He's going to let us all know that he's not pleased with what's going on. Now let's see if there's anything else happening um, as far as locally or nationally here in this country. Go to the Economic Collapse website that I really suggest you go to as well. It's uh, theeconomiccollapseblog.com. Theeconomiccollapseblog.com. And I'm looking at one of the uh, articles here, the headline to it anyway. uh, Multiple government agencies are keeping records of your credit card transactions. Uh, New European Union plan will make every bank account in Europe vulnerable to Cyprus-style wealth confiscation. To um, Cyprus-style wealth confiscation. All right. Soaring mortgage rates are going to make it far more difficult to buy or sell a home. Silver at less than $19 an ounce. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Says the trigger has been pulled and the slaughter of the bonds has begun. The $441 trillion interest rate derivatives time bomb. And it says, not prepared. 17 signs that most Americans will be wiped out by the coming economic collapse. Let me read this. It says, the vast majority of Americans are going to be absolutely blindsided by what is coming. They don't understand how our financial system works. They don't understand how vulnerable it is. And most of them blindly trust that our leaders know exactly what they are doing and that they will be able to fix our problems. As a result, most Americans are simply not prepared for the massive storm that is heading our way. Most American families are living paycheck to paycheck. Most of them are not storing up emergency food and supplies, and only a very small percentage of them are buying gold and silver for investment purposes. Well, I like to tell this individual one of the reasons why is because most of them can't afford the gold and silver. But anyway, they seem to have forgotten what happened back in 2008. When the financial markets crashed, millions of Americans lost their jobs. Because most of them were living on the financial edge, millions of them also lost their homes. Unfortunately, most Americans seem convinced that it will not happen again. Right now, we seem to be living in a hope bubble, and people have become very complacent. For a while there, being a prepper was very trendy, a prepper someone is preparing for the worst. But now, concern about a coming economic crisis seems to have subsided. What a tragic mistake. As I pointed out yesterday, our entire financial system is a giant Ponzi scheme. And there and there are already signs that our financial markets are about to implode once again. Those that have not made any preparations for what is coming are going to regret it bitterly. The following are 17 signs that most Americans will be wiped out by the coming economic collapse. And I'm going to read this because this is very important here. 17 signs. It says... The first one, according to a survey that was just released, 76% of all Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. 70%. Okay, folks, let's let's take a, a couple of deep breaths here. 76% of all Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. That is extremely high. But most Americans are acting as if their jobs will always be there. And I try to tell certain people that I talk to that you got to be proactive here. You can't think that your job's always going to last. But people, they, they just... They're not proactive, they're reactive. It says, but most Americans are acting as their jobs will always be there. But the truth is that mass layoffs can occur at any time. In fact, it just happened at one of the largest law firms in New York City. And see, that's the reason why I suggest that people that that, that um, know me, I, I try to say, why don't you, you know, start your little home-based business. I, I, I know of companies, uh, or there's one particular company that is, is very cheap to, to start a business, thirty nine ninety five and 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 uh is is it's not something that would be very difficult. But you know, they, they don't listen and they continue on and thinking that they're gonna always have their jobs and all that. And you have to be proactive in this society, ladies and gentlemen. You you must always have something on the side just in case what you're doing is not working out. That's only the smart thing to do. Number two, 27% of all Americans do not have a single penny saved up. 27% of 
of all Americans do not have even a single penny saved up. 46%, this is number three, of all Americans have $800 or less saved up. Number four, less than one out of every four Americans has enough money stored away to cover six months of expenses. And that's what experts suggest you do, have enough money saved up and stored away to cover six months of expenses. Number five, wages continue to fall even as the cost of living continues to go up. Today, the average income for the bottom 90% of all income earners in America is just $31,244. That's the average income for the bottom 90% of all income earners in America, 31244 An increasing percentage of American families are just trying to find a way to survive from month to month. See, this is the reality that, that CNN and other stations uh, or other media outlets are not going to tell you. Number six, 62% of all middle-class Americans say that they have had to reduce household spending over the past year. Number seven, small business is becoming an endangered species in America. <laughs> Believe me, I know. And In fact, only about 7% of all non-farm workers in the United States are self-employed at this point. That means that the vast majority of Americans are depending on someone else to provide them with an income. But what is going to happen as those jobs disappear? Number eight, in 1989, the debt-to-income ratio of the average American family was about 58%. Today, it is up to 154%, and this is the average American family, folks. Number nine, today, a higher percentage of Americans are dependent on the government than ever before. In fact, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, 49% of all Americans live in a home that gets direct monetary benefits from the federal government. So, what is going to happen when the government... Handout gravy train comes to an end. We know. Riots. <laughs> Number 10. Back in the 1970s, about one out of every 50 Americans was on food stamps. Today, about one out of every 6.5 Americans is on food stamps. That's sad, folks. Number 11. It is estimated that less than 10% of the U.S. population owns any gold or silver for investment purposes. Number 12, it has been estimated that there are approximately 3 million preppers in the United States. But that means that almost everyone else is not prepping or preparing. Number 13, 44% of all Americans do not have first aid kits in their homes. That's sad. I got a first aid kit. I think I have two in my home. Number 14, 48% of all Americans do not have any emergency supplies. I have some emergency supplies as well. Number 15, 53% of all Americans do not have a three-day, I have a three-day supply of non-perishable food and water in their homes. And this is something that even FEMA tells you to do, ladies and gentlemen, to have to be to prep up and to, and to uh, your your federal government tells you to be prepared for catastrophes. Number 16, one survey asked Americans how long they thought they would survive if the electrical grid went down for an extended period of time. Incredibly, 21% said that they would survive for less than a week. An additional 28% said that they would survive for less than two weeks. And nearly 75% said that they would be dead before the two-month mark. That's sad, ladies and gentlemen. According to a survey conducted by the Adelphi University Center for Health Innovation, 55% of Americans believe that the government will come to their rescue when disaster strikes. And see, that that's a fallacy. That's totally a fallacy. Now, I'm going to su- suggest that, uh, something. I'm going to suggest that you do something, ladies and gentlemen, because I care about you. I really do. I care about every human being. Um, He states here, Get prepared while there is still time. If you do not know how to get prepared, my article entitled 25 Things That You Should Do to Get Prepared for the Coming Economic Collapse has some basic tips, and there are dozens of excellent websites out there that teach people advanced prepping techniques for free. So this is free information. I'm not selling, you know, in this program, I don't sell anything. Of course, I would accept your your uh, contributions. Um, if you have it in your heart to donate to this work of God, primarily um, nothing is sold on this program. And this guy is gracious enough not to sell his article. Uh, it says 25 things that you should do to get prepared for the coming economic collapse. 25 things that you should do to get prepared for the coming economic collapse. Please, read this article. We all should read this article and do what we need to do to get prepared. That's only common sense that we should do so in light of what's been going on in this country uh, with this rampant, uh, ridiculous uh, progression toward uh, same-sex marriage in every state, which is going to just totally destroy our society. 
Uh, based just based on that, you need to start preparing, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, in uh, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter uh, eleven. Uh, this is the faith chapter, verse seven. By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, and we're seeing some of these events, ladies and gentlemen. So, so, but you should even do it when when these events aren't yet unseen. Even even, and then you should go by the fact that it, that you know that it's going to happen, but you're not really completely seeing it. In reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household or his family. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteous righteousness that comes by faith. Then in Proverbs, Proverbs, chapter 22, verse 3, The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. You know, God doesn't want you to be ignorant about what's going on, folks. And then uh, in the 1965 Bible and Basic English Version, it says, The sharp man sees the evil and takes cover. The simple go straight on and get into trouble. So please heed the advice that I'm giving you and do what you need to do to protect yourself. And then after that, God's going to take care of the rest. But we should do all we can, ladies and gentlemen. We should do all we can. All right. Um, I'm going to go ahead and talk about the title of this Bible study. What is eternal life, ladies and gentlemen? Well, let's start in John chapter 17. Oh, before I do this, I wanted to read, uh, I didn't get a chance to read last week from this great book here, Prayers and Presidents, Inspiring Faith from Leaders of the Past by William J. Federer. I'm going to read a couple of quotes from John Quincy Adams, one of our past presidents. It's on page 43. John Quincy Adams, September 26, 1810. Um, This is his diary entry. I have made it a practice for several years to read the Bible through in the course of every year. So John Quincy Adams read the Bible, the whole complete Bible, every year. So should we. John Quincy Adams, September 1811, letter to his son, written as U.S. minister at St. Petersburg, Russia. So great is my veneration for the Bible and so strong my belief that when duly read and meditated on, it is of all books in the world that which contributes most to make men good, wise, and happy, that the earlier my children begin to read it, the more steadily they pursue the practice of reading it throughout their lives, the more lively and confident will be my hopes that they will prove useful citizens of their country, respectable members of society. That is a great quote from one of our past presidents, John Quincy Adams. Okay, let's go over today what eternal life is. So John 17 Turn to John 17, verse 3. John 17, verse 3. And this is eternal life, to have knowledge of you. And this is Yeshua, Jesus, praying to the only true God, the Father, the only true God, and of him whom you have sent, even Jesus Christ. So, eternal life is not just what I'm going to prove to you today, um, the ability not to die that it's impossible for you to die, okay, and being immortal, but it's also knowing who the Father is and who the Son is. That's what eternal life is, ladies and gentlemen. Now, there's many people that are confused about eternal life. Some people think it's just living physically in a physical form uh, forever, Um People don't know whether or not it's linked with immortality or salvation. So hopefully I'm going to clear these things up today in this program. Let's turn to Romans 2, verse 7. Romans 2, verse 7. states the following here. To those who go on with good works in the hope of glory and honor and salvation from death, he will give eternal life. Now, that's the that's the uh, Bible in basic English translation. I think the King James Version even has a better translation of this. Revelation, I'm sorry, not Revelation, Roman 2, Romans 
chapter 2, verse 7, Romans chapter 2, verse 7, to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. All right, so immortality and eternal life has something to do with each other, ladies and gentlemen. If you have eternal life, you have immortality. And it does have something to do also with uh, salvation uh, when we look at Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9. Actually, starting in verse 8. Hebrews 5, verse 8 to get the context. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Verse 9. And being made perfect or complete, he became the author of eternal salvation. Okay? You, you're saved eternally. In other words, you're not going to ever die again unto all them that obey him. So we, there's a condition to inherit eternal life. You have to obey him to receive eternal life, despite what some ministers falsely preach. And then, of course, when you're familiar in, with Matthew 19, verse 16, simple question, and behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And then in um, let's turn there and get the answer to what he said here in Matthew um, chapter um, 19, verse 17. And he said unto him, Why do you call me good? There is none but good one, that is God. But if you will enter into life, keep the commandments. Now I want you to notice something here that he didn't call himself God in, in this verse, even though he is God too. But one of the things that Yeshua did is always pointed. He pointed to the Father while he was on the earth. And uh, there's a scripture that perhaps you may have not have read before, but uh, this is after his resurrection. In, in verse 17, Jesus said unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father and to my God and your God. And so that's what he meant, that he's he's not the father. And then this other scripture that I don't know whether or not you have ever studied or considered before. But um, he stated plainly this about the father. He stated in John, in John 10, verse 29, it says, My Father which gave them me is greater than all, greater than all, and he's even greater than Yeshua. In John 14, verse 28, You have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come Again, unto you, if you love me, you would rejoice because I said I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. So that's the reason why he considers his Father his God. And then in Revelation chapter 3, he said that the Father is his God five times, or four times in this statement here. Uh, Revelation 3 verse 12, Him that overcome will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, that's the first time, and he, he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God the second time, and the name of the city of my God the third time, which is New Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God the fourth time. All right, so in Revelation 3, verse 12, Yeshua in red letters is stating the fact that he has a God four times, and that God is the Father, ladies and gentlemen. This is all scripture. You can't take an eraser and erase these scriptures. It's all there. Okay. So, so far, we, we understand that eternal life involves knowledge of the Father and the Son. And you should understand that the Father is also Yeshua's God, as he stated in the Scriptures, the Scriptures I just read to you. Now, in First John 1, verse 2, it states plainly, for the life and it's talking about Yeshua here, for the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life 
which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. All right? And then another scripture to help you understand that is uh, 1 John 5, verse 20. 1 John 5, verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. And we are in him that is true, even in his Son. So the one that is true is his Father. This is the true God and eternal life. So the Father is eternal life. That's what he meant when he said, know you the only true God. He's eternal life. He's the source of eternal life. He is the source of eternal life. And that's what we have to understand uh, about the great Father. And many people don't know who the Father is. They, they, they worship Yeshua, and they should, but they should also worship the Father much more. Yeshua certainly did, and, and we should as well. And we should strive to learn more about the Father. And he came, Yeshua came to the earth to reveal the Father to all of mankind. Okay, so that that's what we need to understand, ladies and gentlemen. And we need to um, understand this one scripture. I know this may be a shocker to you, but it's in the Bible. In John 6, verse 57, As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father. He lives by the Father. So he that eats me shall live by me. This is a very powerful scripture, ladies and gentlemen, to show you that, indeed, the Father is even greater than Yeshua. And it's by the Father that he lives. And not only he, that he lives, but all, all, everything else lives by the Father. And another scripture. And this, is the, this is how you're going to understand eternal life. You have to understand the Godhead, ladies and gentlemen. You really have to understand the Godhead. First uh, Corinthians eight verse six states, uh, states plainly. <laughs> states plainly, but to us there is but one God, the only true God, the Father of whom are all things. And notice that, of whom are all things, and we in Him, and one Lord Jesus Christ by whom are all things, and we by Him. That is that's the scripture you need to sit and meditate on. And and uh, really focus on, ladies and gentlemen. You need to do that. And then in First John five verse eleven, it says, "And this is the record that God has given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son." And so, eternal life was in the Son. Eternal life is equivalent to God the Father, the only true God. Although Yeshua also is God because he's the word of God. It states that in the, in the first chapter of John. And in first, I mean, I'm sorry, in John chapter 6 verse 54, it says, Whoever eats his flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. It's not talking about literally eating him, but eating the words of God, studying the words of God. Because the words that he have is life. That's what he said in this chapter. And then, even Peter understood this in John 6, verse 68. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. His words are the, are the words of eternal life. All right? So that's what we need to understand, ladies and gentlemen. And Romans 5, verse 21, that as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life. So you have to keep the commandments, and it has something to do with eternal life, keeping the commandments by Jesus Christ our Lord. And it's all going to be done through the help of the Holy Spirit, which is Christ's Spirit, and Christ being in you in Galatians 2, verse 20, spiritually helping you keep the commandments. Romans 6, verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, not through your own efforts, but through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then in 1 Timothy 6, verse 19, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Now, what is the promise? What is the promise that is spoken of uh, in Hebrews chapter 11? It says none of them received a promise. What is the promise? What is the Bible's definition of the promise? 
And 1 John 2, verse 25 gives you the answer. 1 John 2, verse 25. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. And none of the people that were described, Enoch included, they do not have eternal life. If you have eternal life, you have an immortal body, ladies and gentlemen. And there's only two beings that have immortality right now. And that's found in 1 Timothy. Let's turn there. Let's turn there. Turn to significant scripture here. First Timothy chapter six, verse sixteen. Fashion me me go to verse fifteen. First Timothy six verse fifteen, which his times he shall show who is the blessed and only um, potentate, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Verse sixteen, who only has immortality, dwelling in a light which no man can approach to whom no man has seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Now, it is the overall goal of humanity to have immortality, but no human being has immortality. The only human being, only big that was a human being that has immortality now is Yeshua Messiah. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, here, and this one little section is the entire plan of God. In <laughs> First um, Corinthians chapter 15, verse 21, For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. In verse 22, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive, but every man in his own order. First Corinthians 15, verse 23, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. Verse 24, Then comes the end, when she, when he, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 24, Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, Father. Let me uh, repeat that, I had an interruption there. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and authority and power. For he must reign till he have put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Is death. And... Let me read to you here about the immortality um, issue here. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So a physical existence, a corruptible uh, physical existence which contains blood, uh, that's, that doesn't qualify you to inherit the kingdom of God. It says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither does corruption inherit incorruption. In verse 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, the last trump in the book of Revelation. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Verse 54, So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? And so this is spiritual salvation, ladies and gentlemen. That's what this all is. And this will happen to anyone that uh, obeys the commandments, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And you, when you believe him, then he states this in John 3, verse 15, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And so belief involves works, as James chapter 2 explains. We have to prove that we believe him by what we do, and we have to keep the commandments to the best of our ability to be able to inherit eternal life according to the scriptures. It's not a salvation by works. What it is, is God has to know that you believe him. And we prove that we believe him by what we do, not what we say. Okay, and 1 John states this here. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Beginning in verse 16, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Verse 17, But 
whosoever has his world's goods or good and sees his brother have need and shuts up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwells the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. That's how we love, ladies and gentlemen. And what is the love of God anyway? And First John chapter 5, verse 3 tells you, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And despite what ministers preach, and his commandments are not grievous, what is a simple Bible definition of love? Well, in Second John 1, verse 6, Second John 1, verse 6 tells you, And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. That's what love is, ladies and gentlemen, according to your Bible. You can't run away from the commandments, as many people do in this country and around the world. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 10. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 10. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So salvation has something to do with eternal glory, which is eternal life. Because if you be eternally glorified, you have eternal life. And the Bible plainly reveals that believers uh, will be certainly glorified like Yeshua is right now. And Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. For our conversation, and that word conversation should be translated citizenship. For our citizenship is in heaven, which is an interesting Bible study in the future. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 3, verse 21. Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. Would you like to know how his glorious body looks like, ladies and gentlemen? Let's go to Revelation to find out. Revelation chapter, I think it's 2. Yeah, Revelation chapter 2. Describes what he looks like. Revelation 1, verse 13. And this is what we're going to look like. In the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. Verse 14. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. Verse 15. And his feet like unto fine brass, as they burn in the furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. Verse 16. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance, his face, was as the sun shines in his strength. We're going to have those characteristics, ladies and gentlemen. We will have those characteristics. So, I'll leave you with one more scripture here. Daniel. Let's look forward to eternal life. Let's keep the commandments so that we will inherit eternal life, ladies and gentlemen. Daniel 12, verse 2. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Verse 3, And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. So eternal life involves immortality and involves salvation. It is salvation. It is immortality. That's what eternal life is, ladies and gentlemen, according to the scriptures. The eternal and all-powerful Word of God reveals this truth to you. Well, that's the end of the program today. Elohim ready and willing. According to His will, I'll be available to you next week. May Yah or Elohim bless and keep you. And again, Yah willing, I'll be available to you next week. Shalom. Peace. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. 
But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. 